Thanks for listening to the weekly sermon. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Glenn Hubbard. For more about this podcast and other resources, visit our website at www.riverinthehills.com. Father, we thank you for your love letter to us. We thank you for the power of this two-edged sword. I ask, Lord, that the, the logos, the written, would become rhema to each of us in our hearts. Lord, you want to speak. <clears throat> you say we don't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of your mouth. So, Lord, I ask for you to whisper a still small voice in us as we look into your word with hearts that see and hear this with intention to draw closer to you in devotion and to obey you in dedication. It's all for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, I did have a word in prayer, pre-service prayer for us, not a word of knowledge like for healing, but I felt like the Lord, and we've already kind of stepped into this a little bit, the words were, was four words, look away and look to. Look away from the struggles, the trials, the crises, or the, just the things that are frustrating you, and look to the cross, to Jesus. And I believe there's a grace today. It's already been happening for us to truly turn. It's a grace to turn today, to turn our attention, not just for the next few minutes, but to, to walk each day with turned attention to the Lord. I need that grace. I need that power each day because I've got an enemy, my own flesh, and the world system trying to get me to turn the other way, to veer off. And so I believe that there's a grace for that to happen today. It has been a while since we have had communion as a church, and it's really been a while since we have had communion, really pre-COVID, since we've had communion family style. I call it family style, where we have actually the matzah crackers are broken in the trays and grape juice that's been, not wine, but it, I'll stop there, grape juice that you will come forward and receive the elements, come back to your chairs and we'll receive communion together. But we also have we're two ways today to receive communion through the, the family style, and then through prepackaged, if that makes you, if you're more comfortable receiving that, that'll be available too. Now, I don't want to confuse you. When I say family style, it's not like going to an Italian restaurant that serves family style. I made that mistake one time. Uh, I ordered lasagna, and Suzanne ordered spaghetti, and they brought us a slab, they, a slab of lasagna and a trough of spaghetti for six people. I don't know what it was, but, you know, as soon as I saw it, I was like, oh, this is family style. So we're not going to give you a huge matzah cracker and make you eat it, you know. <laughs> so we're not going to do that, but <clears throat> we are going to receive communion in a few moments, and I'm excited. I'm excited about the, the power that's released when we come to the Lord's table. So I want to, before we receive communion, I want to talk for a few minutes about at the, what the heart of communion really is. If you have your notes, does everybody have the notes? If you don't, can you raise your hand? Because this will help you. Sloan does a great job up there, but it's not all 
necessarily up there. <clears throat> it's my sounding okay. Okay. Um, it's a, talking about the atonement or the cross of Jesus. That's why we had this cross brought in this week. Um, isn't that nice? Yeah. Three guesses who made that cross in that background. Three guesses. Ready? Kaylee? Yes, that's a good husband. Deb, Pastor Nate made this. I think it was for the church plant when you came from California, Agape Life, right? So um, uh, Micah and Kyle brought it up from storage. It is so heavy. I mean, anyway, it's beautiful. But I brought it up here because I want to talk about the atonement about the cross of Jesus and what he did at the cross. So I, I put in your, your notes what the atonement is. The atonement is the work that Jesus accomplished through his death on our behalf. The atonement is the work that Jesus accomplished through his death on the cross on our behalf. Now that is so important for us. Every word in that is really important. So I'd like, would you say it after me? Because I really want the Lord to mark your heart with what this word means. Would you just say it after me? The atonement is the work, is the, let's say it after me. Cats, let's herd the cats, right? The, the atonement is the work that Jesus accomplished through his death on my behalf. Wow. Really, in a sense, the entire revelation of Scripture revolves around the atonement. Without the atonement, if it weren't for the atonement, we couldn't talk with any kind of authority about salvation or healing or deliverance. Apart from the atonement, we couldn't use phrases with any authenticity like revival. We sung about revival or awakening or water baptism or baptism in the Holy Spirit or everlasting life or overcoming sin. Without the atonement, those would just be empty phrases. Without the atonement, we couldn't say things that are descriptive of God showing up like Fresh wind of the Spirit, fresh fire of God's love, uh, you know, waves of mercy, uh, things like that, of, of uh, swirls of divine activity. Not, not, without the atonement, they would just be theory. All we would have is theory, and we'd have some good music, right? But what good it really is good music if you're not in relationship personally with the one you're singing to. And so the atonement is such a key. I'm praying that the Lord will release greater revelation about what this word means. Bottom line, the atonement is the centerpiece of Christianity. Paragraph B there, this word atonement is really a beautiful word. I mean, many people who use the word don't actually know what it really means. And so to help us understand it, I want to look at the word and kind of break it up, as Sloan did up there, into three sections. At, A-T, one N-O-N, well, not N-O-N, one O-N-E, 
and then the end, M-E-N-T. Atonement means at one It means being restored. Atonement restores the sinner back into God's favor. It's reconciliation. Atonement is bringing God and the sinner who've been alienated because of sin. It's bringing God and the sinner who've been alienated at one. It's total reconciliation. Reconciliation is one of those big words too. It means to be brought back into right relationship with God, the sinner and God, because of what Jesus did on the cross. We all know the Christmas carol, right? Hark the herald angels sing. I won't sing it, but think about those words. Hark the herald angels sing. Glory to the newborn king. Peace on earth and mercy mild. God and sinner. reconciled. Oh, wait. All right. Now that is good news all the time. Not just Christmas time. Amen. Paragraph C, one other thought about what atonement is. We should know what the term really means. Atonement is union. It's Colossians 1.27, Christ in you, the hope of glory. It's 2 Corinthians 5.17, you in Christ, a new creation. It's union. Christ in you, you in him. And I'm telling you, when that really hits your heart, it, it really changes everything. But I'm in union with the Lord. It changes it because you, you realize that God is for you, not against you. And so you want to draw closer to him in holy communion. It, it really uh, it, it changes the way we see things, the way we walk and live our life. When we realize he's not distant and apathetic about you. How many of you, at times the enemy tries to whisper, you know, Lord's, you know, Lord checked out of your life. Or he's apathetic about you. You are at one with the Lord. A major key to living a successful Christian life is realizing that Christianity is not effort. It's union. It's not effort, it's union. It's not striving to be good. It's yielding to the only one who is infinitely good. It's not human effort that overcomes sin. It's yielding to the one who overcame sin. Derek Prince said this. He said, Christian, I, just, I put it in there, it's such a good quote. He said, Christianity is not striving, it's not effort, it's union. It's not striving, it's yielding. And the more we learn that, the more we will access the power of the cross in our lives. I tend to think in pictures a lot. So Roman numeral two there, I have a, there's a picture that I think really describes the place of the atonement in the, the total message of the gospel, and it's the picture of a wheel. You can just show that bicycle wheel. Well, yeah, there it is. It's a picture of a wheel, and um, with that picture, there are three sections, simplistically speaking, but there are three sections of the wheel. There's the outer circle, the tire. There's the spokes that support the wheel. 
And then there's the hub or the center of the wheel. In this picture, the outer circle or the tire represents God's complete provision for every area of our life. God's provided for every area of our life, and that's the outer, that outer circle. It's, he's provided for the area for our spiritual needs, our physical needs, our financial needs, our mental needs, emotional needs. He's provided all those for time and for eternity. Isn't that good news to realize God didn't just, you know, make it for when you die one day. It's for today. God's provided abundant life for you today and for eternity. A total provision of God through the gospel is like that outer circle of the wheel. It, It covers everything. Now, the spokes that support the outer wheel, those are the ways that God makes provision for us. And usually, the way we enter in to what God's provided for us is by action steps we take, by things we do to activate or bring us into God's provision. God doesn't just decide, well, I'm going to give you talked about the will, the God's will last week. Excellent. You know, there are so many things that are really related to God wants them for us, but we have to choose to respond and act. And so those are the spokes of the, the wheel, God's provision. And a couple of examples I want to give that there are four that I have up here, but there are many others. These are some actions we take that are associated with the uh, ways God provides for us. And if you just a couple of them, for example, like I said, four, we're going to receive communion in a few moments. Receiving the bread in the cup is the action step, and it leads us into forgiveness of sin. It leads us into peace for our life. For someone here today who maybe has not um, received the Lord, the Lord's gonna, there's going to be an invitation for you to receive him. So there's communion. Actually, I'll back up a little. Communion is what, uh, by taking the bread and the cup, it activates our faith to receive. By taking a faith step, you're going to step out, you're going to receive, you're going to go back. It activates our faith to receive all the rest of what God's provided. Some of you have very specific needs today. And so by receiving the communion, your faith will be activated. Repentance, that allows us to move into that outer circle of the provision of being forgiven or being cleansed or having peace. Praise, praise. One of the things that praise does, does a lot of things, but the action of praise uh, silences or delivers us from anxiety and fear. A garment of praise for a spirit of heaviness. As I was wondering which spokes to put up here, the song came on, and it was, it was a Bethel song. What's the name of that song? Praise You, right? Okay, and it says, Let praise be the weapon that conquers all anxiety. Is that right? Okay, so praise leads us out to that provision of liberty from anxiety. How many people are battling anxiety these days, right? Well, God's provided for peace 
and deliverance from that. And then uh, tithes and offering. When we give tithes, that activates, that opens the windows of heaven, Malachi 3.6 says, for God to pour out a blessing. Luke 6.38 says the same thing. Give and it shall be given to you. So God's provided for us financially, but there are some things we do. So these are some examples of spokes that support the outer wheel. But at the center of this illustration is the hub. The very center is the atonement. The spokes rest on the hub, and without the hub, they have nothing to support them. Although, also though, through the hub, and I'm not a scientist how this works, but through the hub comes the driving force that moves the wheel. It's the driving power that something about how it provides this axis of rotation that supplies the power for the wheel to turn. So in this similar way, since the, the hub is that which everything else rests upon and depends upon, it's that which, spiritually speaking, the atonement, the cross, supplies the power for the Christian life. So the powers from the cross, we take action steps and then the power comes through those action steps. They're like the spokes. And then we enter in to more of what God has for us. You see, we, we've got to get away from just saying, just kind of, well, if I just get emotionally loud enough, I'll get more from God. No, we have to see God saying, here's some things, some steps you take by faith. And they're based on, they're, they're anchored in the hub of the wheel but then the, the power from the hub goes through those spokes and causes the wheel to turn. Are, we, are, you, are you getting? Are we seeing? Amen. Amen. It may, you know, I believe the more clearly we see, the more we'll do. If you understand how something works, you'll move into it more. Otherwise, we'll just kind of stay stuck and stagnant where we are. God wants to unstick the church yeah. from passivity, from just kind of well, you know, come dragging in every week. Oh, I'm so glad Mar Marissa's on fire today. Oh, yay, you know. Then we go back out, and Marissa's always on fire. My, yeah, Micah really gets me going, you know. No, it's, whoa, there's a cross. There's blood of Jesus that speaks. It never ceases to lose its power. So I've explained that, how that works, uh, Roman numeral three, these are just four spokes. There are many more. They're in your notes. I'd like to cover a few more before we receive communion. There's the, I covered the top four there, but here's some more. Uh, calling for the elders of the church to anoint with oil. That's James 5, 14, and 15. And that there are other ways to do this. When you need physical healing, there's the, the, the elders here today have oil. Will you come up and say, I want some elders. To, I want to meet those conditions. But just coming forward for, for prayer for healing, that's an action step. That's a spoke. By um, raising your hand when we do have words of knowledge, having people gather around. How many of you have been touched physically by having some kind of word of knowledge been given and people gathered around you? Amen. Praise God. Well, see, 
that's, that's how that works. Physical healing coming from the, uh, that step of saying, hey, come pray for me. Then receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We, today, if you want to receive the power that comes from the Holy Spirit coming upon you, Acts 1.8 says that provides spiritual power for you to be a witness out in the world. Acts 1.8. I'm going to not say so much about each one now. I'm just going to say them and let you kind of ask the Lord where you are with this. There's water baptism, which brings spiritual circumcision, giving greater liberty from the power of sin. I have verses in there that you can look at later. Forgiving others, bringing you liberty from bitterness, from a root of bitterness and unforgiveness that can eat away. Praying for Israel that brings prosperity that comes back into your life. Praying for the salvation of Jewish people that brings Jewish people into a saving encounter with their Messiah. They just don't know he's their Messiah yet. These are all in Scripture, and it says, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they prosper who love her. So anyone who's, who does this, that's a way in which you enter in to what God's provided. And he's certainly provided and wants salvation to come to the Jewish people. The last one in these examples, there are many more, but it's praying for the government. 1 Timothy 2, we say that a lot around here, but praying for the government is a step we take. We do that on Tuesdays at noon here, by the way. We pray for Israel on Thursdays at noon, by the way. Praying for our government, that our region, for our state, for our local, state, national, when we pray for our government, it's so that our region, our nation, there can be quiet and peaceable life for our lives, for our community. So there are many that we see. Roman numeral four, we see the work here from two verses. I'm going to kind of start ending with this. There are two verses that describe this really powerfully, that what Jesus accomplished through his death on the cross. Hebrews 2.9. Hebrews 2.9 says, What we do see, this is New Living Translation, what we do see is Jesus, who for a little while was given a position a little lower than the angels. And because he suffered death for us, he is now crowned with glory and honor. Yes, by God's grace, Jesus tasted death for everyone. Notice that phrase, Jesus tasted death for everyone. He tasted my death. He took my place. What I deserved came upon him. I deserved death and hell, separation. I deserved so many evil consequences because of my sin. But he tasted death for me. Another verse, the last one to look at here is Isaiah 53, 6. It says, all we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. 
And the Lord has laid on him, Jesus, the iniquity of us all. Iniquity, the Hebrew word there, also means rebellion. The Lord laid on Jesus on the cross the rebellion of us all. That right there, that phrase that's underlined there, well, before that, we, we've turned our own way. That describes in a nutshell the rebellion of the entire human race. We've all, if we're honest, we've all turned our back on God. We've all gone our own way. We've done our own thing. We've set our own standards. We've pleased ourselves. We've lived for ourselves. We have been rebellious. But the Lord has made, the literal Hebrew there, the laid on him, it literally says in Hebrew, the Lord has made to meet together on Jesus the rebellion of us all. To meet together on Jesus. Worship team, if you could come forward. and uh, Micah, I'm going to need a little room here to illustrate this. But he made to meet together. Here's some index cards of things that I, and I put it in black ink because of the, the darkness of sin. Okay, it's just the, the illustration. And, um, but these are the things that Jesus, the Lord made that, that were in my life that I deserved. And so, yeah, I'm going to move right, right there. Thank you. The, I deserve death. My death, he tasted death for me. Because of my, my sin was nailed to the cross. My sin came upon Jesus. My guilt because of my sin. Sin is the actual thing we do. Guilt is the psychological torment that we have because of our sin. Isaiah 53.10 says Jesus became our guilt offering. So the guilt you carry, well, I asked for forgiveness, but you still have that psychological, I still remember the enemy's trying to play the old tapes. My guilt was made to meet together, was laid upon Jesus. My shame, the shame that I feel, that was laid upon Jesus. He, he endured the cross, despising the shame so that I could have the opposite of that. My rejection. I'm not going to ask you today if you feel a rejection from someone or something right now. But Jesus took it on the cross. This wasn't just a one-time thing. These are things we can understand that he's taken for us. My sickness, he took it. The rest. I, he also took... My curses, he took my poverty. That I could have these other things. Just bear with me. I know this kind of looks goofy, but I don't care. Because I want you to get it. He, took, he tasted death for me. And I'm going to put it right over my heart. That I could have eternal life. He took my sin that I could have 
righteousness. That I can be the righteousness of God in Christ. He took my guilt. That I could have liberty for my mind. I could have liberty for my mind. I guess I'm running out. He took my shame. That I could have honor. He took my rejection. I put these in red because it's by the blood. Every one of these things, you may say, you know, I'm really feeling the rejection today. We receive communion. You're coming and you're receiving. Saying, Lord, I receive your acceptance. Saying, Lord, I'm feeling shame about a thing from the past. I receive your honor. See, all the, the bad things we deserved were laid upon him that all the good things he deserved might come upon us. But we have to ask. We, see, we, we by repentance, the power of forgiveness comes to us. And we experience that. We experience salvation. We experience healing for their sickness. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this one because I was supposed to have shoulder surgery. I'd had torn labrum years ago. And I was four days away from having to go get my shoulder cut on. And the MRI said, you've got to get shoulder surgery. And I went to a prayer team. Like, we're going to have prayer teams up here in a minute. And I said, well, I said would you all pray for me? I'm supposed to have so- shoulder surgery, but I don't want to go. I don't want to spend the money. And I'm not sure if they'll have a bad day and mess up my shoulder in the surgical room, right? So I said, would you pray for me? And they, they prayed, and they said, the, the specialist said, if you, I really look goofy, don't I? All right. But I'm doing it, so we'll see. The specialist said, if you don't get surgery, you'll, your, your torn labrum will just keep tearing. And so you can't ever lift weights again or do any of that. And then I had them pray for me at a Graham Cook meeting at Church of the Hills, at my prayer team. And weeks went by, the pain was still there, but it got better and better. And that was now 10 years ago. And now I can fully, fully function. Stand up if you would. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. If those who are serving communion could come forward too. what he did for us. All the bad we deserved, he took. That all the good he deserved because he was sinless and perfect, he's made available. So that the window is open for you to come and get what you need from him. And I'm trusting the Lord. I listed some things today because I thought, Holy Spirit, yeah, you can highlight to people what they need today. So as we receive communion, the atonement is seen in the bread and the cup that Frank and Norma will be having here, that Todd and Sarah will be having here. The atonement is seen in the bread and the cup. And taking the bread and the cup in faith releases faith in you to encounter God today in a very specific way. So I'm going to pray and then I want to Open the, the, if you will come down these middle aisles and fan across and receive 
the bread in the cup. If you'd like a pre-prepared one, they're in the other bowls there. You can pick one of those up. Father, we come to you by the precious blood of Jesus. Lord, we sing the wonderful cross. Thank you, Lord. Would you enlarge our perspective of how wonderful the cross is? Would you encounter people today? Lord, you, your word says that when we, before we receive the Lord's Supper, we, we examine ourselves. So I'm giving, going to give you a moment to just examine your heart. Any, any wrongs you've done, just repent, confess right now. Say, I confess. I turn from that attitude. I turn from that action. And any wrongs done to you, just release and forgive right now. Lord, I want a clean slate before you. I, I ask you to forgive me. That when I receive the bread and the cup, that you would release faith in me and release part of your total provision. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the weekly sermon. To download the notes and slides for this message, visit our website, riverinthehills.com. If you would like to partner with us in moving God's heart and changing the world, please subscribe to our podcast, leave a review, and share this episode with a friend.